and welcome to the Bouncy Orange Ball podcast. It's episode three of the UK's new basketball pod. And as you might have guessed by the timing and the Toccata and Fugue in D minor you just heard, thank you to Johann Sebastian Bach for your genius, we're doing a Halloween special. My name is Count Dracula and I am your host here on Bob. Nah, that's a bit cheesy. I'm only kidding. I'm actually, as regular listeners may know, compulsive nonsense talker and rubbish impressionist Stuart Hodge. And as ever, joining me once again is the other half of Bob's happy couple, Luke Hatfield. So, look, I guess if I'm the one who tricks people into listening, then you must be the treat that they get for sticking with us. Is that fair to say? <laughs> I'm not so sure um, a treat would be the right way to put it, but I'll, I'll do my best not to, not to trick too many people. <laughs> Indeed. To all our loyal listeners who have been with us since the start, welcome back. And to anyone new, welcome along. What we try to do here is have a look at the NBA under a different lens. But today, as you may have guessed with the dodgy puns, sound effects, today we're going to be looking at things with a bit of a Halloween mask on. Now, banning the two specials we've done, which have been just me and Luke, as you know, it's a regular staple to have a third contributor with us on our basketball odyssey. But unfortunately... He's fallen victim, the man that we were going to have on, to internet issues over in Dubai. And we've been unable to get him on for the podcast. I think by the sounds of it, he'd have to stand on top of the Burj Khalifa to get a decent reception there. So unfortunately, Bryn Cooper, the creator of our partner site NBA UK Fans, can't join us. However, he has submitted his own contributions to some of the Halloween stuff. So we should be interspersing the podcast with some of that. Now, down to business. Yeah, we're having fun with the sound effects for this edition of the podcast. Good people, but before we get our metaphorical fangs out, we'd be cheating our fans if we didn't dive into the hot topics around the league as we get going. So first up has to be the firing of Teron Lou as coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Look, was the decision justified, and is he to blame for how bad the Cavs are? I'm not too sure Tyron Lue is the guy to blame for just how bad they are. I think everyone knew that the Cavs weren't going to be great this season. You knew the fact that LeBron leaving, he has such a massive impact on any basketball team that he's played on, that if he leaves, they're going to be bad. When he left before, they went bad. Like It's just the way things go. Uh, Tyron Lue, for me... Um, he seems like almost that sacrificial lamb here for for Cleveland. They need someone to blame, and they're not going to blame the players. Kevin Love's obviously gone down injured. It's a it's a big question. It's like who do you who do you blame? Who do you, you point the finger at someone? Because at the end of the day, that they were own six, and you know someone's got to take the fall here. And unfortunately for him, it's Tyron Lue. Now I I don't know how much of whether Lou was was you know LeBron's man, it seemed like he was. He seemed a bit of like a yes man to LeBron. It seems a bit harsh to say that, but on the whole, LeBron was almost part coaching that team as a player as he likes to do. And normally, the head coach who is working alongside LeBron, it, you'd think it's um one of those positions where you are you are open to a little bit more criticism. And it's it's interesting to see how how Luke Walton deals with that, obviously, in LA right now. Yeah. But on the whole, it's um it's a bit of a strange one, but you can see why he's gone. You can't have that kind of start, uh, although only six games. Come on, I mean, give, give the guy a little bit of a break. He's just lost arguably the, the world's best player. Yeah, but I think it's the, the manner by which they've lost those games. I mean, one of the stats that our man Bryn was going to, to, to give us earlier on 
uh, was the the Cavs 12.8 point differential. That's worst. That that's the worst if it, if it was to carry on at that rate that you would have in league history. 12.3 for the 72 Lakers is the league's historical worst. So I mean that puts into context just how bad they've been, and that's with Kevin Love Kevin Love sorry being operational for most of that time. Yeah, that's it. I mean, and some of the games that they've lost. I mean, you look at their season open against the Raptors. You think, yeah, you know what? You can, you're going to lose that one against the Raptors. They look like a serious problem. But then they lost to the, lost at the Timberwolves, where you've got the whole Jimmy Butler situation. You don't know what's going on there. Mm-hmm. But they're following two games, losing by 22 to the Atlanta Hawks, who were not a good basketball team this season, and then 16 to the Nets, who themselves I enjoy watching the Nets, but again, not a great basketball team. They lost to the Pistons, who were done well, and then the Pacers. It's it's there's some games in there, especially the Hawks and the Nets. If you're losing them kind of games, you are opening yourself up to a lot of criticism. And then looking at Love maybe being up for the next month or so with that toe problem, you think it's not going to be a pretty sight for for Cleveland. You know, give it, given it end of November, you're going to be looking at their record and it's, it's going to be painful, I think. Yeah, I think so as well. The other thing that struck me, I watched that Hawks game was just how much freedom they gave to Trey Young. Now, we all know Trey Young's not a great defender, but he's he's obviously got some offensive weapons, and he was just allowed to light it up from beyond the arc, and, and that's not what Cleveland need to be doing. If they're going to... They've obviously lost quite the, the heart and soul of their team, so what they need to do is they need to make up for that in different ways. Now, if you're going to show pretty much a lack of hustle as well as everything else, then I think that's a big problem. There are defensive deficiencies on the team. Everybody knows that. There are a few offensive weapons, and it's about making up for the the, the lack of defensive prowess in some areas by taking advantage of those offensive weapons. But if you've not got the greatest defenders in the world, then you need to hustle. And I think that's that's going to be the key for them. Now, talking of revolting records, the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Houston Rockets have also had, well, pretty terrible starts to the season. But do you think either side's in danger of missing the postseason, or can we just put this down to a slow start, do you think? Uh, I'd be very surprised if either team really missed missed the postseason. I mean, the o- o- Oklahoma City, you look at Russell Westbrook and, you know, you think they've just got too much star power alongside Paul George, Stephen Adams. These are these are seasoned NBA players. You know they're clearly a team that can work together. I mean, yes, they lost Carmelo Anthony, but I mean losing him is not a, the biggest deal in the world considering the way they were clicking with him. Um, the Houston Rockets, I was very surprised by their start. You know, it's almost like you know a, a bad smell following people following people around in terms of Carmelo Anthony. Goes from one team where things aren't really clicking to another team where it doesn't look like things are clicking right away either. But it is a it is a new team almost putting together. They've lost a lot of defensive you know presence in terms of Luke and Baramute, Trevor Ariza. Yeah. I would be incredibly surprised if they miss the postseason. I mean, the West is a stacked conference. We know that, but I mean, come on, these these are two teams who you'd expect to be right up there. And uh, although they're both one and four at the moment, I'd expect them both to pick up. Yeah, and both both teams to make the playoffs for you then, yeah. Yeah, I'd imagine so. I'd be. I mean, the Thunder are probably more at risk than the Rockets. You imagine the Rockets are are a team who, um, yes, they've lost some. As 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 I just mentioned, they've lost some players, but you think they've got more than enough about them. I mean, Chris Paul, James Harden, Carmelo Anthony can score. I mean, still got Clint Capella there. You know, there's too, there's too much talent for either of these teams really. But if anyone's more at risk, I'd say it's the Thunder, just because of the way that they're playing offense at the moment. It's just it's not it's not great to watch. 
on that basis, Billy Donovan, I mean, is he under a bit of pressure? Could he be following Tyrone Lou out the door soon? Certainly is under pressure, and I'd imagine he's one of the most under-pressure coaches in the league now. You know, you've got a player like Russell Westbrook on your team who is a, a serial winner, so to speak. He wants to be able to win every time. He you know, gives 110% every game. Never takes a quarter off, does Russell Westbrook. And, I mean, he's got a lot of sway over this organisation, does does Westbrook. And you, you'd imagine if someone's pointing the finger at anyone, it's going to go toward Billy Donovan. Um, I hope he can turn it around. He seems like he, a nice guy. He seems like he, he wants to he wants to get things working. Who who wouldn't? But the finger could be quite clearly pointed at him if if this continues. I mean, if if they go say another ten games and they they go four and six, I mean they're, they're staring at a five and ten record. Then you think, well, I mean, it could be quite 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 easily time for time for a change. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think you're right about Westbrook because. After the Durant, the Harden situations, they're not going to get into a situation where they're going to lose their franchise star again. That I cannot see that happening. So mm-hmm. there's no doubt for me that Donovan will be the fall guy if, if things don't pick up. How long do you think he gets to do that? I, f- I think they should give him a little bit of time. Sam Presti knows what he's doing. I mean, he's, he, he's, he's clearly got a plan in place and OKC, obviously, you know, they made the postseason last year. They didn't really pull up any trees when they got there, but they did. Um, they did make it, so it's. I think if you're if you're giving time, you maybe get toward December, and then you're starting to think if things haven't changed, then is it time to make a change in ourselves? Um, if if you're pushing, if you leave it too late, of course, and it can be a real problem, especially in the West, because as I said, it's so stacked. I mean, you've got so many teams vying for them eight places, and it's it's kind of one of them where yeah. the calls for that one sixteen postseason are getting stronger and stronger because of how stacked the West is. If you leave it until say the All Star break, it might be too late. So you you kind of gotta pull the trigger when's best when when best feel you know when when the organization best feels it's right to do so. And Sam Presti, he seems like he knows what he's doing. He seems like a general manager who will make the decision when it when it's forced upon him. But I wouldn't expect it to be too soon. Although, you know, look at Tyron Lee went after six games. You never know. In a week's time, we we could be seeing Billy Donovan looking for a new job. Yep, I think that's very true. Um, in terms of revolting records, is there any other teams that you think there's a need to be concerned about? Uh, the Washington Wizards, for me, are very, very concerning right now. Um, one and five, and the Wizards haven't looked great at all. I mean, they're in, a th- in the midst of a three-game losing streak. You've got the likes of John Wall, Bradley Beal, who have these notorious issues over the past couple of seasons of whether they click or not. You've got Dwight Howard who's come in. And you've got a load of question marks over the organisation. They expected to be in the postseason. You expect them to be there with the talent they've got. But at the moment, they do not look like they are going to be getting there anytime soon. I mean, I hope they can turn things around, especially because they are coming to London in in January, of course. Um, and you know, the last thing you want to see is two teams, you know, bottom feeding teams battling out in London because it's not it's not going to be the greatest of competitions is it um other other than washington you look at the lakers record right now two and five you think lebron would have a massive impact there yep. hasn't really done so um elsewhere you know one which has surprised me is the kings kings have got a winning record right now so um it's, it's surprising not revolting but you know the suns we kind of expected them to go one and five and obviously we've already mentioned the Cavs. Um, the Bulls and Nets, the Hawks, you kind of expected them to have losing records, so it's a bit harsh to say that. Biggest surprise to me, probably probably Washington. 
Yeah, I think the other aspect of it is you've got Beal who's averaging 23-point-something, John Wall's averaging over 20 points a game. Mm. It, it just doesn't seem to be enough to carry them, though. There are deeper deficiencies there. Everybody thought that Dwight Howard was going to help them change it up and, and, and offer a new dynamic there to, to, to what they had, but I think they're really missing marching Gortat. That seems to be what I've seen at the at the start of this season, and yeah. that's that's going to be a big concern for them how they actually come over that. Just on that on that note, do you think that's another potential coaching departure that we could see? Yeah, I mean Scott Brooks is is not a, it's it's a not a, it's not a good position to be in when you've when you've got a team with that much talent but you're not winning games. You know, it's, um, he had the, he had an issue in terms of. His offense, OKC, when he had the likes of you know Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, a lot of the time with Scott Brooks, and this is something which I mean not only me but a lot of people have become slightly frustrated about with him is the fact that it's a lot of ISO basketball, it's a lot of the ball sticking in the stars' hand, which is all well and good in a regular season context, but when it comes to the playoffs, you know, fouls aren't as you know swiftly called, you know, you got to work a little bit harder for your points, and and teams catch on to what you're trying to do and. He never really won anything. Okay, see, yes, he came close, um, but he's he's not, certainly not doing a good job at the start of this season. If he can turn things around, I hope he can because, you know, you don't want to see anyone lose their job. But he's probably under a lot of pressure too. I mean, he he's probably the next guy in the firing line for me, considering the way they've started the season. Yeah, I must say actually, we didn't plan to go down the route of uh, let's talk about the NBA sack race, but it's funny how these podcasts often go off in their own direction. Now, it's been a blistering start to the season scoring-wise for teams around the league. It's the highest in almost 50 years, in fact, since the 1970-71 season. Ka-ching! Nice stat. <laughs> Obviously, the rules in the NBA these days are weighted in favour of the offence. Now, that, that that's a given. But other than that, what factors do you think, Luke, have contributed to the onus on high scoring that we've seen at the start of this season? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Because a lot of te- a lot of fans, especially casual fans, have sat down and watched the NBA to start the season and been like, "Wow, they're seeing 80, 90 point halves and you know scoring performances from big players." You know, Blake dropped fifty, Steph dropped fifty, Clay dropped fifty just last night. Yep. Um, there's a lot of a lot of scoring going on, and um, there's a couple couple factors for me. The first one is obviously the 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 reliance now on three point shooting. I mean, teams have figured out this. You know, you're more you're going to score more points if you if you're shooting more more three pointers. It's fairly simple, and teams have figured out that you know you can shoot three pointers at what thirty percent, and it's still more effective than shooting feel like you know the mid mid range game at forty five percent. You know it's just more efficient, and you're seeing more and more players you know go into that Steph Curry kind of mold. You've seen the likes of Trey Young step into the league. These are the kind of players who you know have really evolved alongside the game of basketball. Now you know they see it as you got to go up and down. You got to get quick shots up. And you've got to score the basketball, and it's it's almost that Golden State kind of era where teams have looked at Golden State, they've seen what they've done, and they're trying to emulate it. They want to up the pace, score more three pointers, focus on that layups, playing mm-hmm. some defense, and then of course you're going to score score more. And on top of that, you add into the the, the foul chain, the the, the, will, the change of rules in regarding fouls, getting a couple more free throws every game. You know, it's it's just the way the way it is. You if you if you stop in the clock scoring free throws, you're going to score more in a game. So. It's, it's 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 good fun to watch. Um, I'm not too sure whether the old school NBA vets will enjoy watching <laughs> it as much with the lack of defense, so to speak, um, and the changing rules. But 
but it's exciting for the casual and that's what the NBA probably cares about most. Yeah, I think another aspect of it is just when you were mentioning about the obviously you score 50% more if you're shooting a three than if you're shooting a two, it's a given. You've actually got coaches, for example, Mike Budenholzer's gone into the box and what he's actually doing is he's setting a quota, a per night quota. We want to be shooting this many threes. Mm. Now, I don't have the stats to hand, but I think it's gone up from around 25 a game to, to around 40 shots that they're shooting from beyond the arc. That's an indication of the way that it's going. And if you think of Mike Budenholzer, traditionally the, the sort of coaching style that he employs, it wouldn't necessarily have been weighted in that direction. But I think it's just the way that the league has evolved, the way that it's developed, that we're now seeing more and more people almost, it's almost waking up to the fact that, that that's the way forward. And as you say, I think it's just a trickle-down effect from the, the, the dynasty that the Golden State Warriors have managed to to, to build as a result of playing that style of ball yeah definitely i mean it's, it's just the way it is when you've when you've got this focus on three-point shooting and teams around the league going into this small ball atmosphere less and less traditional big men you've got to stretch bigs nowadays it's always going to be focused around that that's just the way the nba has gone you know you look back at the 80s and 90s it was bully ball you know getting the ball inside you know pummeling your opponent into submission so to speak now it's a completely different way of pummeling your opponent and you're doing so from the three-point line and when you look at the likes of golden state you can't really argue with with the success that it's it's paying off yeah absolutely and the splash brothers are just lighting it up at the moment after a slow start clay thompson shut everybody up last night by breaking the record for three-pointers scored in a single game hitting an incredible 14 against Chicago. Unreal. And Steph Curry, well, he just keeps setting records as well, doesn't he? The league's highest-paid star became the first man ever to score at least five threes in seven consecutive games. But then he just selflessly sought to get The Rock to play against the Bulls last night, which brought his record to an end. But it just emphasises the all-for-one, one-for-all, selfless team attitude that the Warriors seem to have. And Steph as well. I think it's testament to him as a player that he's not carried away by his own ego. He's looking to, to, to be there for his teammate. Now, that attitude that I'm talking about, Luke, obviously the Dubs are your team. How important, how integral has that been to their success, do you think? It's been huge, and it's probably what their championships have been built on, to be honest, if I'm, if I'm being completely honest with you, Stu. I mean, you look at the players that they've got, yes, they have the talent to do this, where they can defer to, you know, a Kevin Durant, a Steph Curry, a Clay Thompson, even a Draymond Green, you know, every other night, and it doesn't really matter. They're just happy to enjoy the ride and, and see, you know, this team winning games. But they, they, they are in a unique situation in that, that they do have, like, four, five, if you include DeMarcus Cousins, all-star all stars on this on their roster there aren't a, there aren't a lot of teams around you know who have that kind of scoring ability so you're not going to see that as much but i mean it's not just on the basketball court either it's 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 when it comes down to you know negotiating deals like cause if we've seen steph curry already take a discount yes there was you know underlined with the fact that he was coming off an ankle injury when he was getting his previous contract and there was a lot of talk about whether he'd be the, could become the player which he has become now um, but then, you know, the likes of Kevin Durant as well, he's taken a discount to join this team. DeMarcus Cousins, he's on an absolute pittance yeah. to be on this team. So when you've got players who are willing not only to pass the rock to one another when someone's having a hot night, I mean, just look at look at last night, for example. You barely even saw KD scoring the ball. He's one of the best players in the world. And, he, and he's happy to defer to Clay Thompson because he's having that night. Um, it's, it's 
but it trickles out throughout the organization. Steve Kerr is really in, you know, he's created this great culture at Golden State where everyone's working for one another. Um, you know, it's just it's great to see, and it's it's a it's a culture which a lot of other teams are trying to trying to uh, introduce if they can. Um, unfortunately, not everyone has a Steph Curry and a Clay Thompson just just getting drafted every every other season. You know what I mean? Yeah, or a Kevin Durant, or any of the rest of it. I think there's a, a whole ethos there that seems to be prevalent. And, I mean, you mentioned DeMarcus Cousins. I think he's doing his own version of the one and done uh, with with the Warriors. It's going to be mm. interesting to see his free agency situation next year. But if you're in his shoes, it's a case of why not? Why not just pick up the ring and then you can move on with the rest of your career and earn good money and, and do whatever you want to do? So, yeah, I mean, you can see the... The, the sense in it from his perspective. Now, some news that's just broken in the last hour or so is the fact that Manu Ginobili is going to have his jersey retired to the rafters by the San Antonio Spurs. Now, on that note, obviously, uh, the Spurs will probably come around to talk about at some point this season, and we already have mentioned it in previous podcasts, things that are in a bit of flux for them. But it's almost quite nice just to, to have this story emerge because it just underlines what the San Antonio Spurs have been over the course of the past two decades, essentially. And, and Ginobili's been an integral part of that over the last decade or so. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Ginobili's such huge, it's been such a huge name and player in the NBA, not only for the San Antonio Spurs, but for Argentina as a whole. I mean, he really has, you know, earned himself this right as one of the league's greatest ever international players. And it's only fair that he, his jersey is retired. I mean, I think everyone kind of expected it. They just didn't know when it was going to happen. But, you know, it's going to be nice to see that 20 go up into the rafters, you know, because Manu was such a lovable guy, such a great player, such an entertaining player to watch. I mean, I still wish I could see him out on that court, you know, every other night because he's such so much fun, such a crafty player. And it's, it, it kills me not to see him, but... At the same time, he's getting the recognition that he truly deserves, so that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Now, last one of the league's sort of current business before we move into the Halloween stuff is Jimmy Butler. And yeah, I mean, we've spoken about him enough uh, over the course of the last few podcasts, but just to touch on him again, he outscored LeBron, hitting 32 points and 5 for 5 from beyond the arc as the Timberwolves prevailed over the Lakers, 124 to 120. Probably his best game. In fact, no doubt, surely, that it was his best game for Minnesota since he requested a trade. Now, on that note, the links with Miami are still being spoken of. And over the last week, Houston have been reportedly willing to offer four first-round draft picks for the star, which is is quite a considerable outlay and just evidence, I suppose, of how Houston are, are just desperate to stay relevant. But Minnesota have been holding out in those negotiations for Eric Gordon, according to reports. They want him to be added to any potential deal. So looking at the various parameters of that possible trade, what do you think, Luke, about the the trade value there? Who would win out of that as it was currently constructed? And what do you think would represent a fair return for Jimmy Butler? I think um, if you're asking for a winner in that trade where you're giving up all those those first-round picks, uh, or or all those draft picks, I should say... um, I think the winner would probably would be Houston just about because you don't know what the draft draft picks going to turn into. You know, yes, they could turn into a, a Steph Curry or um, a Jason Tatum. You know, it could turn into one of the players, one of those players. Equally, it could turn into an Anthony Bennett. 
you, you just don't know what you're going to get with that. And for Houston, they desperately need someone like a Jimmy Butler, someone who can play some defense on the wing, can really you know add another scoring option because that team would be stacked. They would turn straight away into a Golden State challenger if they get Jimmy Butler because considering the way they've started, it doesn't look like they're going to be challenging the Golden State Warriors over seven games. If they get Jimmy Butler, then suddenly you think they will do. But I think for, for Tom Thibodeau, he needs to look at this the way he's got his roster set up. He wants to win now. And getting draft picks is not going to work out for him because for him, he wants to win you know, this season. He wants to he wants to progress this season. If you're losing Jimmy Butler and getting draft picks, you're not going to be winning winning more games this season. It's, it's simple enough. Like Jimmy Butler is you know, a great talent, a great player. Yes, his attitude is has been abysmal this season. But on the whole, he's, he's going to help you win basketball games. Draft picks, they're not going to help you win in the, in the short term. You know what I mean? You're not going to get them players straight away. So I think I can see where the Timberwolves are coming from. They want someone in return who can fill that void. Eric Gordon could fill that void. He's a great scorer. He's, he's good with the ball in his hands. He can shoot the ball incredibly well. And plus, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be bothering the likes of Andrew Wiggins and Carl anthony Towns. They would have the option of you know, taking the majority of the ball, kicking to Eric Gordon when he's open because that's what he—that's the type of player he is. He's not going to go out there and control the offense. He's going to be one of those guys who comes in as a supplementary role. For me, I can see what I can see why they're in this conundrum because Houston—they don't want to give up another player. They don't want to give up an Eric yeah. Gordon. They know how valuable he is. At the same time, if you want Jimmy Butler, if they can if they can coax some sort of deal where where they 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 basically assure that he re-signs with the team given that they have the cap room of course i've not really looked into the into the situation there then i'm sure they will eventually pull the trigger on it daryl Morey, you know he knows how to work a deal mm-hmm. um but tom Thibodeau will obviously want something in return other than just traffics yeah but even if you were to get eric gordon is he the right player for a tom Thibodeau team if you see what i mean i mean when you look at the options that the Timberwolves would then have there. Now, I mean, that's setting aside my, my personal belief that Tom Thibodeau, although he's, he's done great things in the league in the past, he's not necessarily the kind of coach I think you need and definitely not the kind of president of basketball operations that you need in this day and age. I think you need a mind that's a bit more open, really, uh, to, to the way that the league is going. Thibodeau mm. strikes me as a bit more of a, I don't want to say a dinosaur, but definitely someone from the, from the old school. And I think that's a problem. And if you look at Carol Anthony Towns' questions defensively, good offensively, Andrew Wiggins' question marks full stop, and Eric Gordon definitely a, a strong offensive player, I just don't see how those pieces fit together in a Thibodeau system. I, I just don't see it. And I think that's going to be a problem that, that the Timberwolves are going to have to overcome. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, they certainly don't seem like your traditional Thibodeau team. Um you know, to relate it to football, like you know, the likes of your your pacey wingers are not going to really fit into a Tony Pulis mold if they're not tracking back. So it's, it's the same with basketball. It's the same with any sport. You've got your coaches; they prefer a style of play. Thibodeau does like a defensive, you know, basis in his team. He likes to, likes to run his team short as well. He's got short rotations. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it works or not, I mean, I I have big questions about having a GM and a and a head coach in one role. That we mean, I've I've raised this before. I feel like you need a disconnect between those two different roles. It's too much work for one guy to take on. If they're working them roles, then it's gonna it's gonna cause a lot of problems for me. And uh, you know the own the deal for me from Houston's perspective look like looks like it's target targeted toward the owner as opposed to Tom Thibodeau because you know the owner will look at it and see 
the long-term opportunity of having four draft picks to hand. Admittedly, might not be great draft picks given Houston and how good how good they would be with Jimmy Butler. Yeah. But they'll see it as building blocks. Tom Thibodeau will not see it in that respect. He'll see it as a as a short-term loss of Jimmy Butler to, for not a big return. So it's interesting to see that trade offer. I think if if the ownership, you know, overrule Thibodeau, it almost looks like you know the road is set for him in terms of ownership is going to overpower him and then there are big questions about whether you continue with him uh, considering the way things have gone yeah I don't give Tom Thibodeau that long in his current position and I would even go as far as to say I think there's major question marks as to to whether he would be an attractive proposition for any team in the league moving forward except maybe a couple at the bottom who are are struggling to find a, a coach but I think people are leaning towards younger coaches now and I think we might be seeing the sort of last throws of, of Tom Thibodeau as a major figure in the NBA at the moment. Now, you are listening to the Bouncy Orange Ball podcast. Follow us at Bouncy Podcast on Twitter. That's the handle. And our partner site at NBA underscore UK fans. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for Bouncy Orange Ball. Right, now that the plug is out of the way, we're going to talk about some spine-chilling stat lines. <laughs> Bit OTT, but there we go. Zach Levine and Nikola Jokic have been positively frightening at the start of this season. At the time of recording, Levine is averaging 28 points a night and shooting over 50% from the field. It seems that he's married that insane leaping ability he's always had with a better choice of shots to start the season, less of those long-distance contested two-point efforts. And it's making him a juggernaut for the Bulls on the offensive end. And Jokic, well, he's turned into a triple-double threat just about every night when you look at his consistent shooting from all over the court and that sexy passing which comes so naturally to him. Against Phoenix, he also became the only the second person after Wilt Chamberlain to record a triple-double whilst finishing with perfect shooting from the field. 11 for 11. Remarkable stuff. For me, he's bang on target to become an all-star this year. Now, look, of the early season form with both of these guys, which one do you see as being most likely to sustain it and why? I think when you look at them, Jokic stats it's blatantly obvious that he's going to be an all-star. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, and for me, he's the guy more likely to carry it on as well because Zach Levine, I mean, yes, he's he's started the season incredibly well as Levine and it's great to see it because, you know, there was a lot of questions over whether he'd be fit, whether he'd be healthy, whether he'd be the player that he was when he, you know, he went down with an knee injury. Fortunately, he is. He seems, he seems perfectly fine and he has picked up. But he's playing on a losing team. That's a big problem, um, especially when it comes to all-star votes. Um, and also, yes, he, he started he started strong, but you got a feeling that people will figure him out. Jokic, on the other hand, the Joker. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's perfect for Halloween, by the way. Great nickname. <laughs> Absolutely. He has been out of this world, and I think a lot of people have seen it coming. I mean, they've seen this player who's got this, I mean, freakishly good passing ability. So much fun to watch. I mean, he's... he's he doesn't look like he should be a basketball player. I mean, if he if he was like six foot, you'd think, what what who is this guy? But because of his size and because of his skill, I mean, it's just scary just how good he's been. I mean, on the team he's on as well. I mean, it's 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 all working out so perfectly for him right now. 
I think he he can be that focal point. He is a legitimate triple double threat, and it's I mean it's just great to see him performing so well. And I think for me, he is one of these you know future stars of the NBA who will be hanging around for quite a while just because he's a player which people a will enjoy watching, and b will produce, and c will be winning games. It's just great. It's all working for him, and it's just I mean it's terrifying going up against him because you know there's so many things he can do. Yeah, he can do anything. Do you know an interesting thing I think about him? Now, obviously, he's not necessarily got the most athletic body yet. He's still quite, well, wide. Yeah. Now, that girth kind of helps him. So when he's displaying those handles, rather than having defenders sort of able to come in from the side and, and, and maybe nick the ball away, it's almost as if his sort of big trunk helps him as he as he navigates those minefields, essentially, when he's dribbling through. And, and maybe when he's going in back to the basket or whatever he's doing. Just as a thought, if he was to, to maybe sort of tone up a bit, become a more athletic figure, perhaps a bit faster, would he maybe sort of lose something just by losing a bit of junk in the trunk, if as it were? It's interesting, isn't it? It's a, that's, a good, uh, that's a good question you asked there, because... You know, you see, you see him, and he is very much in the mold of a, a Zach Randolph style player, isn't he? In the ta- in the fact that he's not terribly athletic, doesn't really, you know, look imposing. But when you see him on the court and the way he plays, I mean, for me, I wouldn't change a thing. The way the way things are going, the way he's working in the off season, clearly it's all working well for him. I don't see why you you go out of your way to try and make him a, a maybe, maybe a couple seconds quicker, say, over the course of a game, when he's so effective already. I mean, yes, if he plateaus a little bit, then you maybe look at that. But on the whole, I mean, the way he's playing right now, you'd be silly to try and fix something that isn't broken. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. Any other stars with spine-chilling stat lines that you want to throw out? A couple, and one of them I imagine you will have seen coming, uh, is Stephen Curry. The way he's been mm-hmm. playing basketball right now, I mean, if you if you want scary, I mean, people talk about 50-40-90 clubs. This guy's currently in a fifty-fifty ninety club. Yeah, I mean, fifty-four percent from the field, fifty-one percent from the three, ninety-two percent from the line, an effective field goal percentage of just under seventy percent, per of thirty-two point seven. Plus, he's averaging five and a half assists and five five and a half rebounds, along with thirty-two and a half points a game. I mean, it's, it's just how do you, how do you stop him? The way he started this season. Absolutely unreal, and I mean, if, if if he, I'd love to see him on a team like the Phoenix Suns or the Sacramento Kings, someone, some team where he would be the focal point twenty four seven. I'd love to see him, <laughs> just 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 for one season, just just have it all on him because we've never really seen that from Steph. I'd love to see it just to see how much he could impact a team, uh, being that that primary scorer all the time. Um, for me, he's looking back, and he's he's yes, he's already had two MVPs, but I think he's fallen down that pecking pecking order a little bit, so to speak. A lot of people look at him and say, "Well, votes are going to go to KD. Is he the best player on his team, Steph?" Anymore? There's yeah, a lot of questions about that. But I mean, on the whole, I mean, his, his stats this season have been absolutely shocking and amazing. At the same time, another guy I want to quickly throw in there as well is Kemba Walker. Um, yeah. thirty one point seven points a game. Yes, admittedly, seven games in. But I mean, the way he's been playing basketball, it's, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, his career averages are what, what, nineteen points a game, and he's he's averaging thirty-one this season, moving the ball well, shooting the ball incredibly well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's great to see him doing that. And um, just quick throwback to the stats from last night from Clay Thompson as well. 
I mean, he was five for thirty-six before in, before going into that game from the three-point line. Yesterday. Yeah, he, like, he was playing time. awfully. Like he was, he was really bad. Sorry, just a quick one on Walker. Credit to James Borrego as well. He seems to have unlocked something there with the Hornets and with him. But yeah, sorry, on Clay. Yeah, I mean, he, he goes into the game five for thirty-six now. I don't think he was playing too badly. I think he was shooting badly. I agree with that with that phrase. But I think on the whole, he was he was fitting into the Golden State's kind of structure incredibly well. You know, he does yeah. what he does. But I mean, yesterday he just kind of the doors were blown off, and like uh, all them threes that he was missing, he was making all of a sudden. You know what I mean? He goes from five to thirty six to to what fourteen from twenty four. It's an NBA record for <laughs> individual shooting threes in a game. Beats Steph Curry's record, um, which I think was set against the Pelicans a couple of years ago. Um, I mean, it's just, I mean. Golden State had 92 in the first half of last night's game. I mean, how crazy is yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely ludicrous. And yeah, I do actually retract the thing about playing awfully. He was shooting the ball awfully from two, from three. He just couldn't hit a barn door. And yeah. then he was still offering things. He's obviously offering his defense. He's offering spacing. And he was still driving to the basket, getting to the foul line. He was still doing all of that. And I think that's what makes Golden State so scary, isn't it? It's because you can have one player who's just having a hell of a time shooting the ball, but it doesn't seem to affect them. And then as soon as he steps up, everyone else can take a little step back and try and help him along. And it comes back to what we were saying earlier. It's just as a team, it's it's brilliant. And on the on the note of sort of coaching GM, that that kind of thing that you were referring to earlier, look the mm. the line in between there. Just on Steve Kerr, you've got to wonder, does it help that he has been a GM in the past, that he's, he's sort of working now under someone and he respects that boundary and understands it, but he can also put the other hat on at times and, and, and think maybe on a wider plane than just as a coach? Yeah, yeah, it certainly helps him, certainly does. I mean, he knows the relationship that needs to, needs to be had there, yes. Bob Myers is a great GM. I mean, he's done a terrific job at Golden State. But having a coach like Steve Kerr there, who is, I mean, as a player, he was incredibly coach coachable. Yeah. I think as a coach, he's incredibly coachable as well. I mean, him and Bob Myers seem to have a great relationship. And I think that does come down to the fact that, you know, Steve Kerr has worked in that position before. He knows how it works. He knows how the game works. He knows how to develop players. He's a great speaker. I mean, in terms of a basketball guy, you can't really want much more from him. He's a great commentator, a great coach, great player. I mean, he's a great, he's decent enough GM too. I mean, what can't what can't he do? I mean, it's just <laughs> one of them things where he obviously knows his position incredibly well. He's in a great situation. The players is in. I mean, let's not get it twisted. When he took over from Mark Jackson, he had a great roster already. Mark Jackson didn't get the best out of that team, and injuries have come in their favour. Let's, I mean, both against Golden State and within them. Yeah. Steph Curry, yes, he's missed some games over the previous seasons, but he's not had any of the issues he's had previous. I mean, and then when he's coming up against teams, yes, they were fortunate against Houston Rockets that Chris Paul goes down last season. But on the whole, I mean, even when they went up against the Cavs in their first, I think it was their first championship when you had like Kyrie ruled out, it was basically LeBron on his own. Mm -hmm. So yes, they have had some luck, but at the same time, you make your own luck, don't you? Yeah, one of the oldest cliches in sport. I think we should get like a little clicker any time either of us come out with one of the great sporting cliches just <laughs> in terms of team stats then we're talking about spine chilling stat lines um on team stats i had a look at the jazz lineup of ricky rubio donovan mitchell joe ingles jay crowder and rudy gobert they've got a net rating of 25.1 having seen quite a lot of court time so far this season for me that emphasizes the strength of what quinn snyder has at its disposal 
is there anything team wise that's that's caught the eye for you i mean that that's i mean that's that's incredible isn't it that utah stat i mean it's a superb performance from them and the way they're set up i mean it's just brilliant isn't it i mean you've got so many good players and i think everyone loves watching ricky rubio donovan mitchell i mean joe ingles is so underrated jay crowder you know suddenly shooting the ball incredibly well and then rudy gobert for me i mean you i haven't done as much in-depth research in terms of like a lineup as you have but i mean you you look at the golden state performance yesterday and the way they've been playing games i mean i mean they had a three game eastern are you going to give me an answer that's not golden state (laughs) i can do as well i mean look at the milwaukee bucks yes they've had five games at home but they've had an absolutely phenomenal start um yeah that new arenas seems to be suiting them quite well certainly does do and i mean they got a win over toronto admittedly toronto didn't have Kawhi last night but they didn't have janice either um and they've beaten the likes of philadelphia and indiana those are those are eastern conference dare i say powerhouses i mean and then the detroit pistons as well look at the way the job dwayne casey's done i mean they haven't had the toughest schedule in the world admittedly they had the nets the bulls and the Cavs. i mean you know those are going to be very winnable games but they did beat philly as well I mean, these yeah, are, these and are by the way, are... Blake Griffin is looking at his very, very best again with the Pistons, yeah. I've got to say. And it's really good to see that because he's obviously a player that's had problems with injuries. And I mean, situation has a lot to do with it at times as well with players. It just seems that he's in a good situation right now. Seems to be responding to Dwayne Casey. The pieces round about him are working. And I was unsure how... Andre Drummond and, and Blake Griffin would dovetail dovetail sorry as a front court and mm. I have been pleasantly surprised. I think they work majestically together. Yeah, they do. I mean, and it's because they're two almost big men who, you know, they've got that kind of that they fit so nicely because Andre Drummond, yes, he's stretched out his game a little bit, but he is that, you know, that go to rebounder guy, the guy who skies for boards, cleans up the glass, whereas Blake Griffin's a guy who can have the ball in his hands a little bit more, is more reliable from long range. And, and likes to take the ball and take the offense in, in 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 his own kind of way, and I think they just fit together so well because you know if you have too many guys, almost you know too many too many too many cooks, it becomes a problem. Um, unless unless you are Golden State, not to, not to mention them one more time. But on the whole, Blake Griffin's been it's been great to see him because I think a lot of people were seeing him almost go downhill toward the end of his time at the Clippers. They were seeing. You know the athleticism was maybe lacking compared to how he was when he started and mm-hmm. started in the league, but it's just great to see him doing so well, and it's great to see Dwayne Casey doing a good job as well. Who am I? Okay. Regular listeners to the show will know that we run a Who Am I quiz on Twitter to see if our listeners can guess the identity of a superstar based on clues that we have given them. And then we turn the heat on our guest, of course. Brittany's not here. However, we will be continuing this game. Uh, We'll be doing it with you guys, though, listening along. (laughs) So it's very simple. It can be a superstar, NBA superstar, shall I say, past or present. And uh, your guys, you guys are going to be put on the spot. Of course, there is no prize, unfortunately, but this week's clues have been provided by uh, Josh Everly, who was featured, of course, on episode two uh, a few weeks ago. Um, and a few people online have already uh, managed to guess the right answer, so well done to them. I'll give you a quick shout-out after we've gone through the clues. So, for those listening along, here are the clues. I was and remain an NBA fan favourite. I was traded on draft night. I'm a former number three overall pick. 
when you hear someone talk about big guards, Magic Johnson usually comes first, but I'm often the second man thought of. This is where I would have got it, that that clue there. I mean, the the, the first three are kind of gettable, but that one was the one that, that, that sort of made me twig. So it's a good it's a good swayer that one isn't it yeah i played for four teams but injuries derailed my career and i was never the same guy afterwards if you don't have it already one last cue i'm a four-time all-star but my pinnacle of my career might have come from being a part of the last team to send michael jordan home stew do you reckon mm-hmm. they've got it I reckon the majority of people will have got that. And by the way, there's a theme running here because the first guy that we had uh, that Josh was trying to guess on episode two Mm. was an Orlando Magic legend. He was indeed. And this guy is also an Orlando Magic legend. Yeah, so congrats first to Durant Jones, James Stevens and Simon Helm. They all got the answer on Twitter. The answer's Stu... Penny Hardaway. Penny Hardaway. By, by the way, what a basketball player. Redefined the point guard position. Oh, yeah. You ever you ever want to have, you know, you got a spare 10 minutes, go and find a Penny Hardaway highlight reel clip. Some of them years when he was first in the league. Absolutely terrifying. I mean, such a great player to watch. And it's so fun. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, as a guard yourself, you, you must look at players like that and think, you know, I, I mean, I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not being nasty. You're a better basketball player than I will ever be. But <laughs> you must look at people like that and think, my goodness, that's just God-given ability. Yeah, there are certain players you look at and you look at the size of them. I mean, Penny Hardaway. You know, he was huge to be playing that position. You look at him, but he can still move quicker than most so of the guys. Fast. So athletic, so powerful. I mean, sometimes you just sit there and you think. I could go to the gym for years and years and years and I would never be as strong as that guy. And Penny was always that for me. I mean, I looked at clips of him when I was younger and I was like, wow, this is the kind of guy I want to be. Unfortunately, I didn't grow that tall or get that quick. Um, so I had to craft my game around someone else, but still great to see. Talking of going to the gym after a quick commercial break, we'll have something kind of related to those lines. We'll be right back to the action in a moment, but if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow the podcast on Twitter by searching for the handle at Bouncy Podcast, as well as our partner site at NBA underscore UK fans. You can also follow Bouncy Orange Ball hosts Stuart Hodge and Luke Hatfield on Twitter too. To do that, search for at Hodgey the Hack. That's H-O-D-G-E-Y, the hack, and at look underscore Hatfield. Get involved with the Bouncy Orange Ball podcast, the home of hoops in the UK. So carrying on the Halloween theme, the next topic is monster teams. Yes, teams of absolute monster players in true Space Jam fashion. I asked both guys, Bryn who's not here and Luke who is with us, to prepare their own monster starting fives. So we're going to go one to five in terms of who they both picked in their lineups of superstar behemoths. I have deliberately left this open to interpretation for each of us. But I've chosen to go for four current players and one legend because, yeah, well, basically I could not leave this guy out. And mine are all big 
monstrous guys who I think would make a formidable lineup working together. Now, I've not gone totally anal about it. I've got less of an emphasis on thinking about things like perimeter defense and, and stuff like that. I've just focused on having five absolute units playing together. That's the way that I've gone for it. What kind of methodology have you used, Luke? Uh, I've gone down more of the marketability route, I think. I think for me, the Monstars... When you look, when you looked at the monsters from the previous, you know, the, the first film. I mean, there is a second one eventually going to be coming out. You look at it as you know something which is distinctive about each one. You know, you got Muggsy Bogues, who you know is, is, is so short and he fits that role perfectly. And for me, I've gone down a similar route in terms of marketability. And judging from what Bryn's gone with, I mean, I've I've seen some of his suggestions already. He seems to have gone with a bit of a mixture of quality and and uh, you know you know fearful kind of. Uh, atmosphere should i say yeah well yeah just intimidating characters i think all of the characters on his team are intimidating for different reasons mm. and all of the characters in my team are intimidating for different reasons and what i would say is from all my picks let's th this is all of these players at their peak some of them may not have reached their peak yet so just imagine how good they're going to be mm. Now, on that basis, I think the way we'll do this is I'll say mine, you can say yours, and then one of us will mention who Bryn has got. So, let's start at the point guard position. At the point, I'm putting the Denver Nuggets, Nikola Jokic. Point guard Nikola Jokic? Yes. Big guys, mate. Big guys. Yeah, certainly not caring about perimeter defence. I've gone with Russell Westbrook, uh, which, funnily enough, is exactly what Bryn has gone for. I went down the route of... I'd love to see a Russell Westbrook media interview as a monster. I'd just love to see that. I'd love to see how that goes because he's a terrible interview at the moment if you catch him in the wrong time. Imagine if he's a monster. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Now, interestingly enough, Bryn has sent us uh, his, his picks in a message and he's, he's got a description next to most of them and his description next to Westbrook is sassy. So I think that's maybe along <laughs> the same lines that you, you're, you're hinting at there, Luke. Right. So, shooting guard, position you know well, my man. Mm -hmm. I'm going with Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis at the two? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I've gone with James Harden purely because I'd love to see an animated beard. You know, you see this, you know, look at the Monstars ah. team. You know, it's something so distinctive. I'd love to see that monstrous beard. And the way he moves around the court, I mean, it's terrifying enough. If you're trying to guard him in a one-on-one -on -one situation, there's nothing more scary for me. So, I've gone with James Harden. <laughs> Fear the beard indeed. Now, our man, Bryn, who's away in Dubai, sort of sipping cocktails or whatever he may be doing over there, he has gone for, I imagine, a shooting guard, just looking at the makeup of the team, Zach Levine, and he's put pure dunking. And I totally agree with that. Other than the right honourable Aaron Gordon, I think that Zach Levine is just is one of the best players in the league and nobody needs to tell you. By the way, if any of our listeners are sort of newcomers to the NBA, um, the all-star dunk contest between Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon, you'll never watch anything like it. It's oh. absolutely amazing. Watch the full thing. It's on YouTube. Watch the full thing. It is a great way to spend half an hour or so of your life. Oh, just watch that on repeat. Watch it on repeat, Stu. Yeah, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Right, at the three, who have I've, you gone for, mate? I've gone for Kevin Durant, purely because he's so long, so you know, so spindly almost. Yeah, um, sylph-like. Yeah, I think he's one of those guys who, you know, not only is he a heck of a player, I mean, in terms of, the, say, Space Jam 2, 
You've got LeBron going up against uh, probably what many people see as the second best player in the league in Kevin Durant. He's you know, he's just one of those guys. He looks terrifying. He, he really fits the mold for me. And a small forward, I mean, he can do everything. Yeah, I think that's safe enough to say. I've gone for very, very imaginative choice here. And what I would say is if we're playing Anthony Davis at shooting guard, I mean, these two are basically just wings. They're interchangeable. <laughs> LeBron James. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah, had to be done. I mean, I don't think you can argue. I personally, in the greatest ever debate, I kind of lean towards LeBron just because of how long he sustained it. That's one. It's one of the oldest debates in the book, and I'm sure it's one that we will have at some point, but cool. not today. Bryn went with a good one here. Mm-hmm. You know, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. The claw. Yes, claw hands, he says. Yeah, great, great defender. Did you see his no-look steal the other day? Why is that even scientifically possible? I, I mean, I, I looked at it and I was like, surely he didn't mean to do that. And it turns out he did. I mean, there was an interesting stat which came out about him. And I think it's still maybe the case. Um, I did tweet this last season when he was playing. Um, admittedly, you know, one of his few games that he played last season. When he reaches in for a steal, he's more likely to get the ball than a foul. His, his number of steals over his career is higher than his, than his foul calls. That's... I mean, well, that's just testament to the player that he is. He's he's the closest thing in basketball to a machine, I think, because mm. he's almost just automatic with anything he does, and yeah. nothing seems like it's it's really taking any sort of human effort. <laughs> if you know what I mean, it's almost like it's all just automatic, comes naturally to him, and I think that's testament to the player that he is. He's absolutely brilliant, and I mean, the other element of it is other players play with emotion. He just, I think he obviously does play with emotion. I think it would be unfair to say that he doesn't, but he manages to close it off and his poker face is as good as any of them. Yeah, he's very similar to that respect in terms of like Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard has always t- talked about that. He, t- he says he doesn't like to show emotion on court. Doesn't want to give uh, his opponents any any kind of caveat into how he's thinking. Mm. Yeah, which is, is very commendable. Right, now we're getting to the power forward position. I should say both of my bigs are the absolute antithesis of stretch forwards. There's there's no chance of, of either of these guys stretching the floor. <laughs> and um, there's, there's certainly something that they both have in common, which I'm sure most people will be able to identify as soon as I name them. At power forward, and I should say both of these guys are interchangeable, but this is the way it should be. Power yeah. forward, peak Orlando Magic, Dwight Howard. Oh, good choice. Yes. Great, great player be. when he was there in Orlando. Unbelievable. I've honestly... Something about the way that he dominated games, dominated the glass, double-double all the time. I just... I don't think... I, so, do you know what, actually, look, I don't think the league is really... At least the way things are going at the moment, obviously things go in cycles in 20 years' time. Who knows what it's going to be like. I just don't think that that kind of player and, and the impact that they can have on a game, I, I don't think we'll see that sort of thing in that fashion again for a long, long time. I'd agree with you. My power forward choice, Janis Antetokounmpo. Ooh, very nice. That's another interesting. One those, another one of those lengthy guys, you know, someone who can do basically everything bar shoot the ball. I mean, and plus he's, have you seen the way he's bulked up since he came in in his rookie year? I mean, terrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I think 
it's, to be honest, strike. We've mentioned both of them very quickly. Let's not get too bogged down here because we're in the middle of something. Yanis or AD the Brow, who's going to win the MVP this year? Oh, for me, I'm just favouring AD. But, I mean, considering the way the books have started the season, I'd be very surprised if a lot of people are betting against Giannis now. Yeah, I totally agree. I think if the Bucks keep their record up... I mean, that, that's not to say that the Pelicans haven't started well. I think if the Bucks keep going, especially with just the, the manner in which they're doing it, I would, I would kind of lean towards Giannis, to be honest. Okay, right, power forward position. I have Bryn's choice here. He's gone for... You'll like this one. Draymond Green. Straight attitude, he says. Straight attitude. Yeah, he has got that attitude, hasn't he? You know, it's a bit of a monster. He's one of them guys that everyone hates to play against but loves to play with, I think. Yep, I totally agree. I think on the... I mean, we were talking about Kawhi and Damian Lillard. He is the diagrammatic opposite of those two. He plays with his heart and his sleeve more than anyone I can think of. Yeah, that's it. And he loves, loves to pick up a technical foul as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, just to, to sort of go in reverse order for the, the last choices, playing at centre for Bryn Cooper, Stephen Adams. That's I an interesting that one. Uh, I understand it in loads of ways, but at the same time, I just think in the great myriad of, of players in the history of the league, eh, but as a monster. Yeah, that's true. We've Tough got to remember as... the brief man. Look at them tattoos. Look at look at the the, the the hair, everything about him. The toughest guy in the league. I mean, I yep. think it's fair, probably fair to say the guy's an absolute beast. And um, I think that's I think that's a, a low key good choice from Bryn. Yep, I can see that actually. Now that you say that, the other thing is like, see those tattoos. Like most people get tattoos done with obviously the, the the needle and all of that, you can almost sort of imagine Stephen Adams sitting there with a hot poker and just superimposing <laughs> it on his arm. Yeah, yeah, I can see him doing that. He probably cuts himself and he he, he makes sure to like uh, quarterize a wound with a hot blade. Mm, yeah, I can see that. He's like I I don't know. Maybe this is pushing it too far for Game of Thrones fans out there. A reference is he the NBA's Cal Drogo? <laughs> yeah, could could well be, could well be. Excellent, right? Your turn, my man. Who have you got at centre? Uh, to echo your choice, although admittedly not at shooting guard, I've gone with Anthony Davis purely because <laughs> the brow. I mean, that would that would look great on a monster. And then again, I mean, he's just so physically imposing. I mean, for me, he's a true centre. I like to see him at centre, not at the power forward spot. I certainly don't like to see him at shooting guard <laughs> too. But I mean, a heck of a player and someone who's got a bright, bright future. I did say on the wing, right? Interchangeable yeah, yeah. with LeBron. That, I mean, he, start, he started as a guard, didn't he? And then he had that massive growth spurt. So I can, I suppose you can get away with that. Man, that, that's the thinking. Nikola Jokic, he's got the handles. Anthony Davis has got the handles. That's why they're playing at that end of the team, you know? LeBron yeah. has obviously got everything. At centre, my one player who's not a current NBA star, but he kind of is in a totally different way, Shaquille O'Neal. Has to be, man. Has to be. I mean, just look at the guy. I mean, he's a monster and he's a monster. He's all of that stuff. And I think if you were to animate him, I don't think you would need to really use much creative license. Just draw the guy. Yeah, certainly. And then he's another guy. If you've got spare five minutes, watch some throwback highlights of him in his heyday when he was young and he was coming into the league. I mean, jeez. Scary. You do not want to be guarding him. The amount of times he actually pulled down the entire bas- 
basket and the and the backboard and the, the whole thing, the whole stanchion coming down. Yeah. He's done that dozens of times, which is just incredible to think of. The guy has superhuman strength. Yeah, yeah, terrifying. I mean, and in today's age, I don't think he'd be as successful as he was because, you know, the way he's backing people down today, that's a charging foul. But, for, I mean, for him, in his day, he was terrifying. Yeah, that's it. And hit one three-pointer across the course of his whole career. I don't think that would really work in, in this day and age, but there we are. <laughs> now, I'm sure all of those teams could crush their opponents into submission without doubt and have them absolutely begging for mercy. <laughs> Ask Bob, the bouncy orange ball mailbag. My turn to take over the mic against you as we dive into the Bouncy Orange Ball mail bag. Now, before every podcast, we ask our listeners to get in touch with questions using the hashtag AskBob and tweet into the Bouncy Podcast or the NBA underscore UK fans accounts. And once again, lots of you are in touch. Questions and some of the best have been selected for this week's podcast. So let's just launch straight into them, shall we? Yes, absolutely. And by the way, thanks again, everyone. Yeah, that's it. First one comes from Jimmy Zink. He says, you're the Bulls owner slash GM. Do you tank hard now and go for another high pick? I hate to see teams lose, and I know it's very early, but with four key guys missing, I can't help but think it's the right thing to do in the long term. Do you agree? Yeah, I think if you build a team that just totally negates even the concept of defense, then you're not going to do really well. So I'm not surprised that the Bulls are going so badly. I think they've got some good pieces uh, I think Markinen was obviously, I mean, they must be looking at that Butler trade now and, and rubbing their hands um, at, the, at the pieces they got. Yeah, if I'm the Bulls, I'm, I'm quite, do you know what, I'm quite, not necessarily pro-tank, but I'm definitely pro-teams taking stock of things and looking towards the future. I don't believe in this, let's just try and, and flog a dead horse kind of mentality that teams sometimes go on with. And I think the Bulls are at a stage now where, they have they have a future, but I think they should embrace that future rather than the present. What about you? Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, tanking in this day and age, I mean, especially for the Bulls, is never going to be widely enjoyed because the Bulls have had such a storied past, of course. But, I mean, I think you look at that team, you look at the injuries. I mean, Markkinen's a big, big miss, but elsewhere, they've you know, they've got players missing. I think you can kind of get away with doing it and... Um, if it works out for the better as it has done with teams like Philly you know they've almost set that precedent that it seems like the wise way to go especially because you look at them and you know Hoiberg doesn't seem to be getting too much out of them right now I think it just makes sense to be honest um Tom Pringle he's asked the next question he says which current individual stats leader will be in the top spot come the end of the season now Stu I'll give you a quick run view of the current stat leaders so you can get a good 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 take on them uh, Steph Curry obviously leads the league in points per game at 32.5. Hassan Whiteside leads rebounds in terms of 16.2. Kyle Lowry, who Bryn did you know, send something across about his stats. I mean, career high assists so far for him, 11 flat. Um, steals per game is Jimmy Butler at 3. And blocks per game is Anthony Davis at 3.8. Stu, who out of any of them, if any, will still be in the top spot come the end of the season, do you reckon? Anthony Davis will be the blocks leader at the end of the season. Uh, he'll be in the front running for Defensive Player of the Year and he'll be in the front running for MVP. I think that one's a shoe in I'd like to see Kyle Lowry sustain it because I think it's 
it's an interesting quirk of of the tune that Nick Nurse is getting out of that team now. Mm. I think Kyle Lowry's enjoying the pieces he's got round about him, and I think it's allowing him to almost flex his facilitator muscle a, a little bit more. And I think that's something that he's he's enjoying. I don't think Kyle Lowry's one of those players. He's not he's not ego driven. He's not one of these people that wants to be scoring the ball all the time or anything like that. He's one of the players that has very much a team first sort of guy and yeah i would like to see him sustain it i think ad will the others are a bit up in the air but i would love steph to carry on shooting at that clip as well oh i'd love to see that myself but i've got to agree with you anthony davis i mean he's so good at blocking shots whether it's out on the the perimeter or inside i mean you can't really look elsewhere for me um next question garant jones um thoughts on moving magic fan good man he has been in touch regularly. Geraint, we will try and get you on at some point, I'm sure. Thoughts on moving free agency to before the draft? Um, it's been mentioned in re- in recent times, but I like the way it is currently. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Do you agree with that thought of uh, that track of thought? Yeah, I do, actually. I think if you reverse it the other way, then it almost becomes a kind of paint-by-numbers thing for GMs and for front offices in the off-season where they can kind of get all of their ducks in a row and there's no no real variable there there's no sort of situations where things don't necessarily go according to the plan that you set out i think i think it becomes a bit too arbitrary whereas the way it is now i think that there's still enough of a a situation where where teams can can do one thing but things can turn out another way does that make sense or am i i'm a sort of garbling of it no, no, it makes sense. I mean, what you're saying. I mean, I kind of agree with you in one respect that you see, you know, at the end of the day, a player could in could in theory make a decision on free agency depending on how the draft goes, or the way it is now. Um, yeah, but so could teams. That's the key bit. Yeah, yeah, it's it's you know it's one of them. the only people who really look foolish. I think are like, you know, as I mentioned in a previous episode when Colin Sexton gets drafted, he said, "I can't wait to work with LeBron." Oh, that works out. Uh, LeBron's gone. <laughs> um so yeah i mean for me i'd keep it the way it is i think things things are fine at the moment i kind of agree with Grant in that respect um although you know if a change does work out for the better then i can understand why they do it although there's no evidence to say that would be the case um hero ball 21 has got in touch he says the league has gone way too soft with the whistle on freedom of movement and the lenient punishment on the fight uh yeah, that's yeah. of course referring to the, the the one between the Lakers and the Houston earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Adam Silver, but it's too soft. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I agree on both counts. I think Adam Silver has been fantastic for the league. I think we have such an entertaining product with the NBA right now. But yeah, I just I, I think, to be honest, the, the way that these are getting called. Every year, there seems to be some quirky thing that they, they start calling, and it's in vogue. For a certain amount of time, but by the time the playoff comes, uh, or co- sorry, the playoffs come along, it seems like eventually it kind of it dies down a little bit. I yeah. mean, that's the way that I interpret it, and I think this is just another one of these sort of it's a hot topic right now. But I think the 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 legal sort its its house out by the time the the sort of key time comes along later in this the season. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of agree and disagree with points of this question because. For me, the punishment on on the notorious fight between, you know, it obviously involved Rajon Rondo, Chris Paul, Brandon Ingram. I think they were a little bit lenient, and I think that is kind of 
a matter of fact with the way that there haven't been many of these bust-ups in the NBA over recent seasons. So I think the league now see it as, you know, let's try and nip it in the bud, but let's not go overboard. I think they almost went a little bit too low with the suspensions. I mean... Yeah, I think, I think they were you, trying to underplay it. Yeah, I think so. I agree with you there. I think if you're throwing fists, though, you got to be looking at a couple more games than what they got. I think, you know, Brandon Ingram got the most, and yes, he's all got initiated the whole problem, and then he comes running in with haymakers. Um, but for me, I think all, all, all parties involved probably, you know, needed a couple more games, but it's not my call. Um, as Ingram, for the freedom... Oh, sorry. Aye, freedom uh, of movement. I was just going to say, though, Ingram, um, he came in from the back, but that's been brewing between those two for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Rondo and Paul have a, you know, a, a storied history in terms of that beef. Um, but yeah, in terms of the freedom of movement stuff, for me, um, having played the game, but obviously not at a level of the NBA, jersey grabbing and that kind of thing arm wraps is some of the most frustrating fouls as a player mm-hmm. and i think when you look at the way the league is developing into this you know cut and find open three point looks or you know working off screens to get a shot i think for me these kind of fouls do protect an offensive player and i think it's probably in the in the right circumstance yes you will have some old school fans who will disagree who will say jordan you know put up x amount of points with with hand checking and this and that but on the whole, I mean, having played it, having played the game and still playing the game is one of the more frustrating fouls. So I probably support that. Um, our last question comes from the basketball beard. Yay. And he says, with the Cleveland Cavaliers struggling, do you think they should look to trade Kevin Love or keep him and look to bring in other players? Well, he's injured right now, but I think that's only for a month. Uh, if I were them, I pretty much would just commit to the tank again. I think... Kevin Love is not the... I mean, you alluded to this in the, the episode two. Look, he's not the Kevin Love of Minnesota. And mm. I think even if he gets back to that level, it, in a way it's almost counterproductive because the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, they need pieces to, to rebuild themselves into some sort of a force if they hope to do that. Part of the argument is they probably won't without LeBron James. It's hard to see them getting such an all-encompassing colossus as him that allows them to get back to the level that they were at. But if they want to get relevant in terms of a playoff context again, then they should be looking at rebuilding. And Kevin Love is a valuable, valuable asset for for them if they look to, to get into any trade negotiations. So I, if I were them, I would be looking to deal him. I'd agree. I think you look at Kevin Love and you look at the roster you've got, does, does he A, fit your time frame? I mean, he's not the oldest player in the world, but again, he's not the youngest. Um, does he really fit that? There's no. There's obviously this whole coaching situation up in the air now. I think for Kevin Love, um, he probably wants to look at a team where he could be winning games, and it's quite clear that Cleveland Cavaliers are not going to be that team. So I think it probably works out for all parties if you look to make a trade. I mean, you should get a decent value for him if you can get, you know, maybe a couple of young pieces and a draft pick. I mean, I'd probably take that, but at the end of the day, I'm not the guy who's running the team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, Cleveland, the way things are going right now, but I think for me, you look to move him. But that's it for this week's mailbag. Remember, if you want to get in touch with any questions for our next podcast, and tweet us uh, at, Bouncy podcast, at Bouncy Podcast, I should say, um, or at NBA underscore UK fans. 
using the hashtag AskBob. Thanks for taking part, everyone. Uh, even if your question wasn't selected, keep them coming in. We'll, we'll do our best to try and include some from everyone over the course of the season. Yes, we will. Thank you to all of our listeners for taking part. And that pretty much wraps it up for the third full episode of the Bouncy Orange Ball podcast. You've probably heard the odd plug throughout the show with the various ways you can follow Bob. But just as a quick reminder, you can get the podcast itself on Twitter using the handle at Bouncy Podcast, as well as the NBA UK Fans Twitter account at NBA underscore UK Fans. I'm on Twitter as well at Hodgie the Hack. That's H-O-D-G-E-Y, the Hack. And Luke is at Luke underscore Hatfield. Thanks for sticking with us, everyone. We're grateful for our loyal and growing fan base. As ever, keep an eye out for some more cool content across our Twitter channels between now and episode three, including another Who Am I? And remember to get those questions into us, of course. Also, you can give us a follow on Twitter. You can subscribe to us on iTunes by searching for the Bouncy Orange Ball. And of course, we're on SoundCloud too. So all that remains is for me to thank Luke to thank Bryn for trying to join us from Dubai and to thank you, our loyal listeners. Gracias and until the next time, Hoops fans, Aravi Derchi and happy Halloween. <laughs>